Buckets are pouring from the buildings now. There's cars toppled, buildings entirely just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. official podcast of AquamanShrine.com and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the Ironmonger Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy? Cool, I like it. That's good. I like it. I'm rapidly running out of IR words. <laughs> so, uh, so, we're finally, after much uh, fussing at us by our, by our listeners, we're finally getting around to covering Justice League number 20 and Aquaman number 20. <laughs> They came out, like, what, three weeks ago or something? Uh, I think they came out at the end of 2011, I think. Oh, right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. So, well, folks, better late than never. We've had a few other things to do. Uh, Power Records, quite honestly, was a little more important, I think. So, I agree with that entirely. <laughs> wholeheartedly. Well, before we jump into our reviews of that, we are going to cover a couple other just random things today as well. But... First things first, we have got to give credit to our sponsor, uh, In Stock Trades. So, folks, uh, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by In Stock Trades. In Stock Trades is your best online source for trades, hard coverage, and other collected editions, all for up to, check it, 45% off. That's right. With free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Now, we're going to talk about Justice League, so I thought I would give a shout-out to one of my favorite Justice League collections, and that would be Justice League International. Over on InStock Trades, you can find volume number one of that trade paperback. It collects issues one through six of Justice League, and just to confuse you, Justice League International, the title changed, number seven. So you get seven issues, 192 pages. It is by Hilarious, by Giffen and DeMatteis. You got amazing artwork by McGuire, Kevin McGuire and Gordon. It's just Beautiful. And, dude, this sucker is only $9.89 right now over on InStock Trade. That is 45% off, and it is some of the best superhero comics to come out of the 80s. I can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, Yeah, and for me, uh, well, many of you are probably uh, vaguely familiar that there's a Superman movie coming out uh, this week. So, In fact, some of you out there are, as of the time we're recording this, are, are watching the movie right now. Um, so I thought I would talk about, for Insult Trades, as Superman, the greatest stories ever told trade paperback. 
Uh, I'll give you a brief little precis here. Written by Jerry Siegel, William Wolfolk, Edmund Hamilton, Jim Steranko, Elliot S. Magan, John Byrne, and Joe Kelly. Art by Joe Suster, Al Postino, Kurt Swan, Murphy Anderson, Steranko, Byrne, Dick Giordano, Mike Mignola, Doug Monkey, Lee Bermejo, and, and uh, others. It features some of the greatest Superman stories ever told, as the, cover, as the uh, title might suggest. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it also features some sort of rarities, like a, a story called What If Superman Ended the War from Look Magazine, which is super cool. I remember reading that at the time. Anyway, you can get that on in, at InStock Trades for only $10.97. That is 45% off. That is, if you like sort of classic Superman stories, this is a good place to start. And for 11 bucks, how can you beat it? Absolutely. So, folks, for, uh, for those books and all your uh, trade paperback needs, please visit InStockTrades.com. Now, first up, we are going to talk about that guy who talks to fish, but not in this comic. No. <laughs> this Aquaman is, number 20. Yeah, this this book is what uh, they call in TV the backdoor pilot, I would say, <laughs> uh, because it's basically Aquaman shows up for two pages and hands the book over to the others. Uh, and they go on an adventure which involves tracking down this power glove that this sort of wolf creature has, uh, has has found out in the desert, and it's in one of the Atlantean artifacts. Uh, I mean, look, this is a fill-in issue, pure and simple. Everybody knows it. Uh, DC tried to pretend that Jeff Johns was, like, asking John Ostrander, who wrote the story, to step in for him as, like, a favor. No, it's a fill-in. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just it's purely fill-in. Clearly, they're behind on their deadlines. Uh, you know, I think this caught DC so on. Un- what? Well, yeah, go ahead. I, I will argue that with you, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, I think it's clear that they, this, this book caught DC so unawares they didn't even bother to change the credits on the cover, which are incorrect. Uh, the book on the cover says this book is by Jeff Johns and Paul Pelletier and Sean Parsons. It's not by any of those people. Um, so they, they, you know, they tried to tie it in. They're calling it Death of a King interlude. No, this is just a fill-in. Um, See, all right, I, I, here's where I'll argue with you real quick. Um, I think that it was a planned fill-in. I don't think this was an accidental falling behind deadlines fill-in. I think this was simply Jeff Johns had to do that, what, 1,000-page Green Lantern issue. Mm-hmm. You know, He had to do his final issue of Green Lantern, and that was taking just about everything he probably had to get it done and all the, ju- the other Justice League books. And so something had to give. And so for this month, it was Aquaman. And I think having John Ostringer back... It is kind of a big deal because he has not done much stuff for DC in a long time. So I'm, I'm, I'm more inclined to believe that inviting John Ostrander back was kind of a thing and John's took the week off on purpose. And personally, I'm kind of impressed that they managed to do a fill-in issue that still sort of fit in with, this, with the storyline rather than, here's a random adventure. Now, I do think it's pretty crappy to keep Jeff John's name on the cover. I think that's – I don't know that that was entirely an accident. Well, I think that's one of those, like, oops, we made a mistake. Oh, well, it's already at the printer. Shucks. I hope nobody buys it by accident just by looking at the name on the cover. That is the best Dan Didio impression I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I Look, I agree. Fill-in-wise, it's not that bad. I mean, I, it, you know, in my lifetime, in your lifetime, Marvel used to do fill-ins where literally you would have, like, Doctor Strange on page one on, on a train, and he'd be like... I'm on my way to, you know, wherever. Oh, I'm so sleepy. I remember that time I fought Duramu and I looked like I was drawn by Steve Ditko. And then they would drop in a reprint. (laughs) 
So, I mean, you know, come on. This was an original comic. So I don't, really, I don't, I don't mean to be too dismissive of it. But it's, again, to me, it's clearly a fill-in. And the problem I have with it more than the story itself, because John, John Ostrander, fine writer, uh, in particular, he's written a couple of Aquaman fill-in stories before that were really good. Um, mm-hmm. He wrote some, I think he wrote numbers 14 and 15, or 13 and 13 and 14, excuse me, in the previous series that were um, little one-offs in between the end of one, in, bet- in between Rick Veach leaving the book and uh, I think... Which, which was good for everybody. Okay. Rick Veach leaving the book and Will Pfeiffer taking on. So, you know, Oshinger's a, a very good writer and he's written some great Aquaman stories before this. My problem with this story of when it comes is that, to me, uh, this whole death of a king storyline is dragging. And okay. to me, inserting a fill-in at this point is just the worst possible time. You know, to me, this is just like, oh, God, it makes you stretch the story out even further. I mean, I, again, I don't try not to be too nasty. We, 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 we definitely try and, like, be as positive on the show as we can. But, you know, I'm already bored of Aquaman wandering around moping and every issue Merc being like, I'm going to I'm gonna reclaim my king. And now it's like, oh, great. Now I go another whole month for this story as the others go on this other adventure. So there's that. And then the other thing that I have with Aquaman is, again, I don't I hate being sinus so negative, but um, the artwork by Manuel Garcia, Sandra Hope, Rob Hunter, Ray McCarthy, and Wayne Foucher, um, unless people did the crisis than this book, um, <laughs> is is this? It looks oh, it looks okay, but it looks like every other to me, every other DC book in the line. And uh, I, I said this on the Shrine for long before this new series ever started, and I've said it since then. Aquaman's support as a character in a comic book is a mile wide and an inch deep and it won't take much for this book to plummet in sales uh, if circumstances conspire against them like Jeff Johns decides to leave or something like that and so to me the way that you made Aquaman as a comic book work for this iteration was that it looked different it didn't look like it popped out from the New 52 because the New 52 is pretty homogenized in a lot of ways. And by having the boys, uh, Reese, Prado, and Reese on the book, it popped. Aquaman didn't look like any other New 52 title. And I think that helped make it, you know, make it unique. And so, to me, when you put somebody on it who fits in more with the rest of the New 52 look, I just think Aquaman gets lost in the shuffle. So, But what else could they do? I mean, they needed... The, the law firm of, Pro, of Reese, Prado, and Reese on Justice League. Right. And honestly, I agree. That's the right place for them. Right. Um, Pelletier is doing a, a decent job. But who who would be better for a fill-in? I mean, like, for I'll tell you, from from my perspective, the first, I don't know, six or seven pages of this fill-in, I think look awesome. I love the faces. They're, they're not caricatures, but they look, oh, there's something to them. There's something distinct about the faces. I really like them. Now, I will say about halfway through the book, the inking, because, you know, you got 17 inkers on the book, the inking got a little more generic as the book went on, certainly. Um, but I, I, really dug the, I really dug the characters, their figures. I, I liked all that. So I was, I was pleased with the art. 
Uh, I guess we're just coming at this from different angles. Now, I agree completely. Aquaman's in a very tenuous position. And I think what's going to sink him is not this fill-in issue, but continuous six-issue story arcs. Yeah, six-issue story arcs is going to torpedo this book faster than anything else. Because if you look at the first few issues, you got a few different stories. I mean, you got the, the first issue was a standalone. You got the Trench story, which was, I think was like three issues or something, maybe four. Then you got the Mara standalone issue. I mean, you had stuff that was changing constantly. Um, and then, then we hit a long arc. I don't remember. I didn't the remember others. What, the others. Oh, the, other, the others was way too long, even though I enjoy the characters. And you got the character find of 2012, 2011 in there. Uh, who showed up today on this issue. But um, it's the long arcs is what's going to kill the book. I have no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. And again, I'm not, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to be super negative about it. I just kind of looked at it like I read it. I was like, well, okay, just didn't do much for me. Just move on to next month. And, you know, uh, if, if Ostrander was assigned the book after Jeff Johns inevitably leaves, I'd be okay with that because I think he can write, he's a good writer and can write the character very well, as we've seen. But I just this 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 little one off just to me didn't do didn't do anything for Aquaman and frankly I didn't think did all that much for the others so but it's a necessity because I think obviously they needed this break it's, it's you know I as someone who produces a comic a comic book too I understand you need to take breaks sometimes and it's it's not the prettiest thing in the world but sometimes it just has to happen so that's why I'm trying to be as nice about it as I can. Well, I enjoyed it overall. I, I I I liked the setup. I liked everything until the final battle. Honestly, is where actually I had a couple issues. By the way, they're on. I don't know what pages is because never the pages are numbered. But you know when the uh, the others sort of teleport into the cave or, or come bursting into the cave to fight. Mm-hmm. That shot, unless I'm mistaken, looks very much like one of the promo shots for the Justice, New Fifty Two Justice League book, with all the Justice League characters running forward. Yes. That's true. It looks very much like it. I wonder if that's intentional. But um, I was really into this up until the battle where Men of War suddenly had the ability for all his troopers to attack. Mm-hmm. It like it, it took his power and like ramped it up so high. I don't I don't know that I like, he wiped out all the the monsters in like two seconds. I was like, oh, that's a huh? Maybe that's not quite what I'm in favor of. And then the girl who suddenly zap the bad guy with her crazy powers too. So it just, those were the two, only two faults I really had with the book as far as that goes, as far as story-wise. Otherwise, I thought the story was fun. I enjoyed it. I liked the development of the others. I didn't really mind missing Aquaman. I mean, yes, I do want to see more of Aquaman, but if I have to read something else, this was nice. This was a nice change. Someone in one of our listener feedback had said they thought the others would make a great backup strip, and I would agree with that. It would be yeah. nice to see that. Yeah, in fact, I don't, I, oh, I don't know if... I, I don't know if Aquaman could survive a three ninety nine price tag, but um, that would be nice. Maybe if, if the others was a backup, they could cut the page count of the Aquaman stories down a little, and people could, you know, be easier to maintain that deadline if you're writing 18-page Aquaman stories as opposed to 20, well, you, 22 or whatever they're doing. No, it's 20 now, so they would it's have to bring now, it down. Right? They'd have to bring it down to about 12 because your, your backup's going to yeah. have to be – Gonna have to be eight pages. Yeah. Pages. All right. Never mind. <laughs> um, that's why the other book shows three ninety nine because you get the backup. So yeah. Now on the cover, you probably don't even know who this character is, but I was like, if you're looking at the cover, I was like, holy crap, they probably like flying fox from the Young All Stars. <laughs> right. you're, you're, you're not you're not giving me much to work with here, pal. I'm really trying. It's your book, damn it. I don't think I don't think DC gave us much to work with. I like this. 
I like the issue, obviously, a lot more than you. Obviously, so. yes. So I dug it. I think Ostringer's great. Uh, I was happy to see him again. It's just I had that issue with the two things at the end uh, and how they took out the bad guy. But other than that, it was fun. All right. I dug it. Moving on? Yep. Okay. Uh, Justice League number 20. Just to give you a real high-level thought on this, guys, well, essentially what this is, uh, or at least as far as I'm concerned, uh, it's a big fight with Despero between Element Girl? Or, I always forget. Is it Element Girl? Element, Element Woman. Okay. Element Woman, Firestorm, and the Atom. And then eventually Martian Manhunter. And then I think some other stuff happened with Batman. I don't really remember. I'm trying to find that. Uh, no? I guess not. Okay, cool. Because I don't remember any of that. That's probably why. Okay. So, um, Firestorm, the Atom, and Element Woman have a huge battle with the Sparrow. I like how they acknowledge um, Firestorm is, and I quote, uh, behind the powers, Firestorm is actually, wait, no, where is it? They form the most dangerous superhuman in the world. Look at that. That's pretty impressive for Firestorm. <laughs> So, anyway, uh, this book was done by Jeff Johns, wrote it, uh, Xander Cannon did the layouts, and then you got three different people doing pencils, Gene Ha, Andreas Ginolato, and Joe Prado, which is nice, and then inks by Gene Ha, Rob Hunter, and Joe Prado. So, the book is sort of a mishmash of art styles as you go through it. I mean, it's it starts off really funky, who I assume is Gene Ha, and then it just, it's, it's, it almost feels a little disjointed because the art just changes every few pages. In the end, uh, Martian Manhunter shows up and beats the Shaz out of um, Despero. And we find out that there's a long history between them two. And the Atom is revealed to be, dun da da a covert agent working for Justice League of America. Meaning Amanda Waller and Steve Trevor. So that's a big to-do. Um, general feelings, uh, it was pretty good. I enjoyed the fight. I, never, I guess I, I'm not a mental power fan. I don't know how you feel about comics with mental powers, but, like, I never really get into the tel- telepathy characters, because mm-hmm. it's almost like magic. They just, they pull some fancy schmoo and win the day. Right, seen right, all the right. Time. And I don't like that. So, even though the Martian Manhunter scenes were, were pretty cool on how he turned into, like, the ground and sucked the sparrow in, I just, I, I don't like mental powers. So, you know, and it's Martian Manhunter. I mean, that's pretty much just a waste of green ink, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, that was a shot of Frank. Anyway, uh, having Adam be, you know, a covert spy amongst the league, if I'm willing to accept the new 52 at face value, I like that fact. I think it's cool that it develops the story well. If I step back from it, I really don't like the idea of a traitor within Justice League. No, no. Yeah. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) I guess Rob agrees. (laughs) So, um, I really like the Adam character, though. I'm really hoping that what she ends up doing is flipping the bird to Amanda Waller and standing by the Justice League people rather than JLA. I, I think that would – I, I could get on board with that. You know, uh, I do like it how a, a lot of this – for you matches, this is a very Firestorm-centric issue. I mean, they talk a lot about him. He does some stuff. At the very end of the issue, they talk about – they want to know more about him. So, I mean, it's definitely good if you're a Firestorm fan. It's good if you're interested in the new Adam. It's good if you're interested in Martian Manhunter. Beyond that, I'm not sure there's a lot here for you. We get a listener feedback. Uh, Diablo Frank has given us the lowdown on uh, Despero as well. Now, I, I, here's one thing i got to talk to you about. The very last panel of the comic has got a sh- close-up of Firestorm, and it says uh, in the caption box, Who will be chosen by the JLA to take on Firestorm? Find out in the shocking Justice League of America number five. So, for those of you who don't know, Justice League of America, uh, they were created specifically to take down the Justice League. Each character is literally lined up one for one, 
on someone else to take down a Justice League member. I think the 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 Simon Baz character because they're saying they're going to they're going to recruit someone to JLA to take down Firestorm on the JL. I've seen some good speculation. Some people thought Killer Frost as uh, because you'll hear the Villains Month discussion in just a few minutes uh, how that kind of ties together. Um, I saw speculation about Major Force. Uh, I saw what, what probably who it probably is is um, Doctor Light because they're introducing Doctor Light in the JLA right now as a scientist who's gained powers and he does appear in some of the Trinity ads. So maybe he starts off as a hero and works his way towards insanity. I don't really know. It could be Doctor Light. That would sort of make sense. I mean, they they're both you know energy based. It would be it would make a lot of sense. Personally. My money was on, and I'm, I'm usually wrong at these things, but my money was on, wait for it, Professor Martin Stein. Okay. Not that he's powerful, but he could figure out a way to negate Firestorm, because he created the whole protocols. And I couldn't think of any other reason why he was introduced in Firestorm number 20. I could come up with no reason why Martin Stein came back in issue 20. Because as I understood it, or at least as the rumors went, Every creator involved with the Firestorm book that asked to bring back Professor Stein was told no. Hmm. Even the people that submitted, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, plans, uh, whatever, oh, Proposals? shoot. Yeah, because Firestorm, when they, when, they, when they took on the book and Ethan Van Sciver and Gail Simone got it, there were a few other people that turned in proposals. And I've communicated with a few of them, and each one said they were told Professor Stein was off limits. Gone. Dead. <laughs> dead. Specifically, words dead. So, um, great way to run a railroad. So, uh, I just it was like, wow, why did Stein come back all of a sudden? And all I could think was, oh, Jeff Johns wants to use him in the Justice League books. So that's kind of where I was going with that. I'm probably wrong. I usually am wrong, but uh, I would I would like that certainly better than Doctor Light because I can't stand Doctor Light. <laughs> you remember Doctor Light from Identity Crisis? Huh? <laughs> Rob finds his blind spot. So. <laughs> So, any thoughts on Justice League? Uh, hmm, if you thought I was too negative in the previous segment? Really? Yeah, I don't. I, I honestly don't even want to, for my part, I don't even want to talk about this book. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I, I gotta say, though, I mean, with, with the positives and the negatives I've said here, I'm still enjoying the hell out of this book as compared to the first six issues. Yeah, so. I uh, I I uh, know I, I, this this whole month was a big loser for me for Aquaman. Not only is he barely in the book, um, I just can't stand Gene Ha's work. I just can't stand it. It's that uh, I can't I can't stand the way he draws people. Okay, and I think he's completely inappropriate for this book, and he seems to be the regular fill-in guy. So I just was like, okay, I read the book. Where's Aquaman? There he is. Oh, there's his one line. Okay, close the book. Move on to next month. <laughs> I think Gene Ha did a really good job with Despero and Element Woman. I think he was really a, a good person to tap for that. In fact, now that I'm looking, he did a pretty darn good job with Firestorm, too. There's a lot of stuff he didn't do a good job with, but I would say he did a pretty good job with that. So Okay. Wow. <laughs> and then did, when Despero did rip Firestorm apart, which was kind of cool, right. by the way. So. I, I, I feel like all his people look like they are made of Mylar balloons that have some of the air left out of them. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. It's Again, Fair enough. you know, I, I mean, it's one of those it's things. It's cool, man. 
it, it's 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 like on the sh- you know on the shrine. I didn't even get into it because it's like I don't see the point of being negative for the sake of being negative. And yeah. I would have been totally okay with not even covering this book on the show, but okay. a, a bunch of people have asked us specifically to yeah. talk about it. So you know, there we are. But I just okay. I really have a tough time saying anything positive about this. All right, well, we'll move on. No big deal. Yes. So cool. All right. So. Um... I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out what happens more with Firestorm. I'm glad he has a home in the Justice League, and yes. I am enjoying Justice League more. So, uh, part of the reason some people suggested it might be Killer Frost is because of what we're going to talk about next, which is DC Villains Month. Uh, every September, DC has, dis- or DC has decided that every September there'll be some sort of an event now, because that's been their, you know, their 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 month now. They launched the new Fifty Two, they did their zero issues, and the next year, now this following year, it's going to be Villains Month. And what they're doing is they're taking their big core titles, or maybe even all of them. I don't know. I didn't. I, I, thought, didn't read I thought it was all of them. Is it all? Okay, they're taking all their titles, and a villain is taking over that month for that month in that comic. So rather than being, I don't know, the Green Team, I'm just going to pick one. <laughs> uh, it'll it'll be, I don't know, uh, the the. Uh, I don't know, Warp from Brotherhood of Blood, or Brotherhood of Evil, you know, or something like that. That was a really bad example. Wow. But, but for the Justice League books, they're actually doing something like four titles for each. So it'll be like Justice League of America, uh, number 7.1, 7.2, 7.3, 7.4. And for one of the Justice League of America books, it's going to be Killer Frost. So we get the New 52 version of Kill- Killer Frost front and center. And apparently the book is going to be hers. So I hope we get a chance to learn more about her. I hope we get a chance for them to develop her. And I hope they get a chance to change her costume. <laughs> I want to see her in the ballroom gown. It's so original. No one else, no other supervillain looks like that, you know, than the original one. Now she looks kind of generic. We're really being negative this time. Yeah, this is kind of a downer episode so far. <laughs> no, it's no, it's not. It's not. It's not a downer it's episode. Ca- it's it's going to perk up, up, people. Trust us. Yeah. Well, let's see. You get Justice League Darkseid, Justice League Lobo, Justice League Dial E. What is that about? Oh, it's like a hero dial. Justice League Secret Society. Um, um, I really thought you'd have something here, man. <laughs> nope. I don't. I don't pay. I. I. Uh, what Aquaman comics are coming is. It's what's handed to me when I go to my store. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's this. Okay, great. I guess that's kind of cool. That's a good way to do it. I don't care. I just I'm I'm exhausted by these events, these okay. big event things. I'm just. But I mean, this is sort of just a fun way to do it. For example, here we get. I'm looking at a cover, but I can't seem to. Oh, I'm almost there. Everyone at home's probably screaming at their thing. Like Earth Two's Desaad. That's kind of cool. Earth Two Solomon Grundy, Aquaman twenty three point one Black Manta. Okay. Um. Wow, that's oh, that's really nice, actually. Uh, and then Aquaman twenty three point two, Ocean Master. Okay, you you got it right. So yeah, pretty awesome, dude. I think it's I think it's cool. I'm excited for Villains Month. Just like I remember uh, when DC would do like New Year's Evil. Do you remember that? Vaguely. It was like a five issue thingamabobber where they just released five. I think it was like a skip week, probably. Remember remember the days of skip weeks when they would fill the skip week with just cool comics like Tangent or whatever or uh, Girlfriend <laughs> you, you, you really beat the drum for those Tangent books the way you, the I way love you, the, but the I love the way you said it you said it like it was just a fact the cool books like Tangent like you know like that was just a that was a completely objective statement and it could never be argued with <laughs> it was I don't know what you're talking about now okay. I will acknowledge that final Tangent miniseries was not 
um, up to the par of the other two tangent series. But the first two tangent series were, I mean, that's just comic gold, man. That's like printing money. You don't touch that. That's uh, that's right up there, buddy. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't diss on that. Anyway, so um, New Year's Evil was they did did one like that where each one was like the center. Each was a villain issue. You had like Gog because he was really big coming out of Kingdom Come. Um, back before Jeff Johns got a hold of it, you had the rogues, you had, uh, geez, I can't remember, but it was kind of like, it was neat. I enjoyed those things. So I, I enjoy it when the villains take center stage. So I think this could be cool. There's a good chance that these will be some good comics. Okay. I, I mean, it's, it's nice to see a Firestorm villain getting this kind of attention because it, you know, it makes you feel like, oh, they're not just completely abandoning him, you know, by, yeah. by, by bothering to give Killer Frost a, a book. I was surprised when I saw that actually. There is something called Forever Evil, which is a miniseries, I think, which is kicking this off. So, But, all right, Justice League Desi- Dark Side, Justice League Lobo, Justice League Dial E, Justice League Secret Society, Justice League of America Deadshot, uh, Justice League of America Killer Frost, Justice League of America Shadow Thief, Justice League of America Black Adam, which makes me wonder if, Sh- if Shazam's going to go to Justice League of America. Hmm. Justice League Dark, The Creeper, Justice League Eclipso, Ooh, Justice League Dark Eclipse. Oh, it's written by Dan DiDio. Look at that. Okay. Um, Aquaman, Black Man, Aquaman, Ocean Masters, Earth 2, Desaad, Earth 2, Solomon Grundy, The Flash, Grodd. That should be good. The Flash, Reverse Flash. Can't wait for that. The Flash, Rogues, Hell to the Yeah. Green Arrow, Count Vertigo. You know, I wonder how the new Green Arrow book is by Jeff Lemire. Anybody reading it? If you are, let me know, because I've been tempted to pick it up. Uh, Wonder Woman, The Cheetah. Wonder Woman, Firstborn which is the firstborn son of Zeus. Uh, Action Comics, Cyborg Superman. Action Comics, Zod. Action Comics, Lex Luthor. Action Comics, Metallo. Superman Bizarro. Superman Brainiac. Superman Hell. Superman Parasite. Superman Doom... Or Batman Superman Doomsday. Is there a Batman Superman book? Uh, I didn't think so. This is Batman Superman number three. Huh. Whatever. Okay. Batman the Joker, Batman the Riddler, Batman the Penguin. Oh, there you go, Jack. Hey. There you go, Jack. Batman Bane, Batman and Robin Two-Face, Batman and Robin the Court of Owls. Ooh, that could be good. Although it's not interesting. It's not written by um, Schneider. It's by somebody else. Maybe that's the guy writing the uh, Talon book. Batman and Robin, Raja Ghoul in the League of Assassins. Batman and Robin, Killer Croc. Batman, uh, Dark Knight, the Ventriloquist. Dark Knight, Mr. Freeze. Dark Knight, Clayface. Dark Knight, Joker's Daughter. No way. That's wild. Uh, I hope it's Duella Dent. Detective Comics Poison Ivy. Detective Comics Harley Quinn. Detective Comics Scarecrow. Detective Comics Man Bat. I think there's enough Batman books. Green Lantern Relic. Green Lantern Mongol. Green Lantern Black Hand. Green Lantern Sinestro. Swamp Thing Arcane. There you go. Teen Titans Trigun by Marv Wolfman. Whoa! Interesting. Teen Titans Deathstroke. See, I may have to get that. I love me some Deathstroke. I'm still pretty bummed they canceled his series. So, All right, that appears to be the complete list. And it only took 20 minutes for you to read it all. Aww. All right, tell your little story. <laughs> oh, wow, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're crapping all over what I'm trying to be excited about. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's not, no, I'm not trying to. I'm just doing it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, no, I'm very, I was very excited. The previous weekend, um, I got to meet one of my... Genuine, genuine, however you want to say it, heroes, which is writer Alan Brennert, 
Uh, for a lot of you that are familiar with Alan Brenner, I don't have to tell you who he is. For, for those of you that are not, I'll give you just a brief brief history. Um, he is basically, for most of his career, a TV writer. He wrote on um, L.A. Law. He wrote on the 80s Twilight Zone series. Um, he also wrote novels, a lot of science fiction novels. He wrote a, a great one about the sort of um, two doppelgangers, these two men, they're doppelgangers of each other, and trade lives called Time Enchanters. are very good. So he sort of dabbled between TV and novels. And he also occasionally wrote comic books. And because he had this whole, you know, regular career out in California as a as a TV writer and novelist, he really only kind of did comics when he felt like it. And the first comic book that he ever wrote that I read was Brave and the Bold number 180, 180 excuse me, 182, which is Interlude on Earth 2 starring Batman and the Earth 2 Robin, uh, where they team up on Earth 2 to take on Hugo Strange. And I remember buying that comic when I was 10, and I bought it off the racks at a 7-Eleven, and I ran home and read it. It was drawn by Jim Aparo. It was awesome. And it was a superb story. And I, you know, at that time, I didn't know that people who wrote comic books did anything else other than that. I just thought that was their job. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I remember looking to the front of the book and saying, Alan Brenner, who is this guy? i got to find more comics by this guy. Well, I couldn't because he doesn't write very much. Um, and in fact, if you go through, like, you go to comics.org and look up his name, he only has about ten comics to his entire career. Um, nine of which were written for DC. He wrote one Marvel book. He wrote one issue of Daredevil. But the thing, the thing was that was amazing about, to me, Alan Brennard, is out of the ten comics that he wrote, I would say, like, six or seven out of that ten are bona fide classics. And then you've got, to me, the remaining three or four are merely excellent. So to me, his batting average is unlike anybody else. He wrote another Brave and the Bold. He wrote – well, we, we mentioned in the previous episode the Who's Who show where he wrote that Hawk and Dove where they were older. The DC had to go out of its way to say, no, that never happened. Um, he wrote an issue, another issue of Brave and the Bold featuring the Earth 2 Batman and the Earth 2 Catwoman where he sort of tells their – drawn by George Freeman – Gorgeous, Ooh, yes, okay. absolutely classic, and it's it's kind of a sad story because it's it's written from the the point of view of Bruce Wayne after he became a widower. Catwoman was was murdered, um, so it's got this sort of autumnal glow to the to it to the proceedings, which is really quite beautiful. He wrote a story for Christmas with the superhero special, where in defiance of DC's editorial edict, he brought back Supergirl after the crisis. Oh, that was him. That was him. And it was him. The, I, mean, I think the only – I've never asked him about it directly, but I think the only reason that story got published is because Dick Giordano was drawing it. And Giordano was, of course, a big muckety-muck at DC. I think if anybody else had been drawing it, they would have been like, no, you're not doing this. But he did it. Um, he also wrote To Kill a Legend from Detective Comics number 500, which everybody recognized immediately was a classic. And DC has reprinted about a dozen times. That's the one where uh, Batman and Robin travel to an alternate planet – where there's a young Bruce Wayne, and he, the uh, Batman tries to stop uh, the young Bruce Wayne from from his parents being murdered on this planet. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want this young Bruce Wayne to become Batman on this planet. And the Phantom Stranger steps in. It's a classic, classic story. I said the guy is, I think the guy's a genius. I really do. I think he. he well, he, he, I'm looking at his stuff right now. He turns out he wrote one of my favorite Elseworlds. Oh, Holy he wrote, Terror! Holy Terror! There you go. That thing was so good. It was good. That was a really great Elseworlds book. As he said, he's, he, he didn't, doesn't do a lot of comics, but man, when he does them, he does them 
really, really well. So anyway, he is currently on a book tour for his new book called Palisades Park, which is um, a, a novel, but it's sort of set in a, you know, Palisades Park is a real place. He's from North Jersey originally. So he was on a book tour, um, and he was making an appearance, and I knew he was coming, and so I drove up to Paramus, New Jersey, which is like an hour and a half drive from, from me, and to, to, to meet him for the first time. And, and I did. And I got him to sign my copy of his book, and I got him to sign my copy of Brave and the Bold number 182. Um, and it means, like I said, he's one of my genuine heroes. And I think he's just a brilliant writer. I he wrote a, a previous novel called um, Honolulu, which was really very good. And I've gotten to become genuine friends with him. And he wrote a story for my book, Hey Kids Comics, which is Woo! amazing to me that like I, something I worked on has a story from him in it. It just that just blows my mind. So uh, it just uh, – I don't really get tongue-tied around too many people, I think, but I did around him because I just – I'm so impressed by his talent and just for how important his comics were. I mean I used to have something like 15,000 comics, and I got rid of most of them in my later – late teens to help pay for art school. But I kept all of his. I kept all of his because I was like, these are too good. I'm never getting rid of these. So uh, it was said it was wonderful to meet him, really one of the truly great experiences I've had. And, and it was funny at the end, you know, he lives in California. And I said, I said to him, I hope this is not the only time I ever get to see you, Alan. And, he go, and, and I said, you know, I'd love to come out to California sometime. We have a lot of friends out there I'd love to see. And he goes, well, you know, if you ever do, let me know. He says, well, we'll go out to dinner sometime. I'm like, I would get to go out to, out to dinner with Alan Brennard. There's yeah. no way the 10-year-old me would be able to comprehend that. Just right. no way. So it was a really, really wonderful experience, and uh, I, I just admire the heck out of the guy. And I wish he would write some more comics occasionally because uh, he's really good at it. Very cool. Yeah. I, that's awesome, man. It's, uh, it's not often you get to meet your idols, and it's even less often that they turn out to be everything you hoped they would be. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so the, okay, uh, what else have we been talking about? Oh, yeah, the one other thing that's DC superhero related is... A Actually, lot of before you jump into that, I do have something I want to add real quick. Um, you talked about, you know, not getting a lot of joy out of some of the comics you've been reading lately and stuff. I want to tell you, just mention to you and just anyone in general, um, comics I've been reading lately that I've gotten some real joy out of. So I read, uh, they're all trade paperbacks I've been reading recently. I read uh, Sword of the Atom. The '80s miniseries. Oh, great! I found a copy of the trade paperback at uh, during and for like half off at Free Comic Day. Really enjoy the heck out of it. The original Sword of the Atom miniseries is really good. Oh, it is. And then this, the the trade also collects the specials that came out in the annuals or whatever, mm -hmm. if you want to call them. Uh, some of them are okay, but really, I mean, if you, if you ever want to try, it, just focus in on that main core four issue miniseries by Gil Kane. Yeah, great it's stuff. Great. It's great. It's great. I mean, I would have been okay if they had left the Atom in that way forever. Rather than, you know, he could come back and be in JLA stories once in a while, but he'd still be that sort of sword and sack, you know, uh, sandal and sword sort of motif. I would have been totally cool with that. <laughs> Just keep so. saying sword over and over again. <laughs> uh, I read that, enjoyed that. I've been reading Invincible from Image. Um, I've always kind of, I, I read the first couple issues and, and thought it was fine, but my, my, my concern was, like, I didn't, I'd read a, a trade paperback in, like, four minutes. It was ridiculous. It's four issues, and I'd be like, done. Wow, I really enjoyed that four minutes of my life. Right. Uh, I couldn't see myself spending whatever it was, like 10, 15 bucks per trade. So what I'm doing right now is I'm checking them out from the library. So I know they're good stories. 
and I don't want to pay that kind of money, so this is a win-win for me. I'm getting from the I'm getting the uh, whatever you call Ultimate Collections, which is like I don't know, 15 issues in one package. It's from the library. I check it out. I read it. I blaze through it in an hour, and I enjoy the heck out of it. And then I move on. So I highly recommend you check your local public library for what comics they got. You would be shocked. The comic, the graphic novel section at my library is friggin' huge. So, and lastly, I just want to mention, um, I picked up a couple omnibuses recently from Dark Horse, and I'm sitting down to read them finally, and I'm reading Nexus. Uh, did you ever read Nexus? I did. I didn't get, I don't, I, I, did, I read it in the 80s when I was a kid. I didn't remember getting much from the story, but boy, the artwork. I could stare at Steve Rude's stuff all day. Exactly. Steve Rude's stuff was awesome, and that's why I read some of them in the 90s, but I always ended up reading, like, in the middle of a storyline or just a random issue I'd find in the 50 cent bin. So I never really got it. You know, I never really grasped it other than the art was amazing and it was kind of a sci-fi comic. Well, now I'm sitting down to read the omnibus. Well, if, if multiple omnibuses are omnibi <laughs> and they're, and they're of, and it's Nexus, is, is it become Nexi? Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, reading it, reading it from the beginning, I'm really enjoying it. So I recommend you pick up the dark horse Nexus omnibi. Uh, you can get them pretty cheap, and uh, it's good stuff. I mean, not, it's, if not, even if for some reason you don't enjoy the story, you're going to walk away having read, I don't know, 20 issues of Steve Rude amazing artwork. That's, I'm, I'm, in, I'm digging it. So just wanted to throw, since we, we said we were being so negative, I want to throw some positive shouts out there to some books I'm enjoying right now. Yeah, well, that's you know what that reminds me. I should mention that too because I want to be positive. Is uh, I just started reading uh, Brian Wood's run on Conan from Dark Horse because mm-hmm. you mentioned Dark Horse. And I have really been enjoying that. Uh, I, he's been on he's been on the book for over a year, so I'm coming way late to the party. But I picked up three. They, they um, the, the Dark Horse Conan book does things in like little mini arcs, like little two three issue stories. And I picked up all three issues of this one plot where Conan and Billet go to the city, and he he poses a, he sort of gives himself up to, so they can rob the city and whatever. I forget the name of the storyline. But it's really, really good. I really enjoyed it. I always liked Conan as a kid. I read the Conan comic and I sort of lost touch with it after, you know, it got a little, to me a little repetitive and I felt like Marvel ran out of ideas. But um, you know, it's, he's been at Dark Horse for quite a while now and I just sort of it just never grabbed me. But I picked them up, picked uh, the Brian Wood issues up on a whim and I really enjoyed them and I'm going to I think continually get the book now. I think it's really it's, the artwork is really nice. It's very gory, like super gory, more than gory that I'd be comfortable giving to like a kid or even a teenager. But um, but but they are they are a lot of fun. So uh, that that's definitely something I could recommend is the the current main Conan series by Brian Wood from Dark Horse. Now, if you want to go back and read some back issues, I know Kurt Busiek wrote some that are highly regarded, oh, and yeah. I know. And I know Raphael Cannon drew – I don't know if he drew Busick's issues or some of the other ones, but Raphael Cannon, former Firestorm artist, right, right. Um, did, did a, some very well-respected runs on Conan as well. Okay, so. cool. That's cool stuff. I'll have to do that, yes. Um, yeah, because well, the other thing we wanted to mention was, as again, most of you know, if you've been to a Target, you see that there is a whole line of Justice League branded crap. At your local Target stores. Wow. Uh, well, I mean crap in the nicest sense, and that's just a bunch of merchandise. Um, and what's interesting to me about this, and I covered this on the front earlier in the week, is that sadly DC is choosing to – and again, I don't know if this is DC or their licensors, but they are choosing to focus almost exclusively on the big five. And Aquaman and Cyborg are left completely out of most of the merchandise. Now, he is on some stuff. 
I, I mentioned that on the shrine, and a bunch of people were like, "No, he's on this and that." Like, yeah, he's on some things, but like they have a whole line of pool toys, inflatable pool toys. Not one Aquaman thing. <laughs> they have a, They have an inflatable invisible jet, which is great, but no Aquaman toys. Oh wow! And you know, last month. Aquaman's comic outsold every Superman book. Every one. And yet, DC still doesn't think he's ready to like be part of a major merchandising push. I don't get it. I don't know what he has to do for them to say, you know what, let's give him a shot instead of, oh, I don't know, failed film star Green Lantern. You know? Well, okay, I'll, okay, I'll give you the Green Lantern. But I was about to say, I mean, you, you do realize that Superman's about to make them... A crap ton of money, but, a lot right, more but, than the Aquaman comic ever was. Right, but that was exactly my point that I made on the Shrine. That was exactly the point I was making. Because that, cause a couple people chimed in, they're like, why are you complaining about Aquaman? He's still being written by Jeff Johns, that's still good. And it's like, to the average person in America, no one knows who that is. Right. You know, if you ask 500,000 people, how many of them would be able to tell you who Jeff Johns is? Two out of 500,000? Three? Four, you know, I'm being generous. And to, to me, the way you build these characters up as, like, okay, let me, for one second. If you ask the average person who doesn't read a comic book, which is the average person, who the Hulk is, before the movie, before the Avengers, they could tell you who the Hulk was, right? They can tell, tell you who Spider-Man is. They can tell you who Batman is. Just, they, they, don't, they don't know the details, but they can give you a basic, oh, yeah, Batman. He's, you know, he's got the car and the cave and the, you know, the Joker, whatever. And part of that is based upon that these characters have been merchandised for decades. Multiple generations of people have been growing up seeing these characters on T-shirts, greeting cards, or all kinds of mercenary crap that you see, like at places like Target. Well, Hulk also had a TV, a very popular TV series. He did, but for like three years, and that was a quarter of a century ago. But I mean, it, people still know him. It resonates, right? Well, okay, right. But I mean, it's. But I mean, why did he get a TV show before that? Because he was out there. Because he was out there. Because Bill Bixby was cool. You're not giving me much to work with. <laughs> see, see how you like it. Um, so. To me, part of the way you build these characters as brands is to get them on merchandise. And I looked at it like, wow, Aquaman's had the best five years he's had probably in his whole life, maybe since the late 60s of the cartoon series. He had this high profile in Brave and the Bold. His comic book is outselling, you know, like their major tier characters a lot of the time. He's got a higher profile than he's ever had. This was the perfect chance to make him part of this branding. And instead, they still left him off stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know what he's, like, what are they, you know, to me, it's like, they just have this, like, like this vendetta against this character. They're just like, nope, we're not going to merchandise him, even though we have pool toys and it's the perfect, no, 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 you know? So I, it was very frustrating to me to see that there is like 10,000 Justice League toys out there at, at your local Target and like 1% of them have Aquaman on it. I just was so like, oh God. Well, it really looks like they're focusing on the big four. Superman, Batman, Flash, and Green Lantern is what it looks like. Which is even more I, ridiculous, leaving Wonder Woman out of it. Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm Googling here, and it seems like every everything is – like the individual figures right now, at least the first wave. Who knows, There may be a second wave coming, but at least the first wave is Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Flash, and Lex Luthor. Now, they do have a seven-pack. Right, right, and that has Aquaman and Cyborg in it. 
Right, has Aquaman, Cyborg, and Wonder Woman, and it's expensive as hell. Fifty bucks. Uh, I'm looking at sixty-five, one hundred and twenty. You know, I don't know what the retail is on this. Fifty. Thing, but you this can is, buy it at Target this. for fifty. Okay, so I mean that's a lot of a lot of cash. It's ridiculous. Now they are the new fifty-two designs, which is interesting because that's the first time I've really seen Superman in the new look, as you know, in merchandising wise. So I, I feel your pain, brother. I mean, there's there's no Firestorm certainly. No. Um, but Aquaman, it does seem odd that they wouldn't put him on a pool toy. Yeah, I would, I mean, I would it's, tend to agree with that. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where you're like, well, he can't move merchandise, so we don't put him on anything. Right. But he will never sell anything if you don't put him on it. You know, I mean, presumably, I mean, look, I mean, the, the guys who did the Brave and the Bold chose to make him one of their marquee characters. And they slapped him on every Brave and Bold piece of merchandise they had. Now, presumably, that stuff was doing fairly well. And, in fact, he just got his own toy as part of the DC Super Friends hero, hero line world. I think hero world, I think it's called. So, like, these other lines, he sells well in these other lines. I just feel like when they crafted this one, they were just like, yeah, leave him off. I'm just like, ugh. You know, the guy can't catch a break. Even even when he sells a comic book really well. Still. Jeez. Um, <laughs> so, that that was all that I wanted to mention. Because I said, you're seeing more Justice League stuff than you ever have before. I read it online. Somebody was surmising that this was, like, DC's subtle way of building brand awareness for Justice League for the inevitable movie. I don't know if I totally buy that because I think it's two different audiences, but it's something to consider that, that, you know, after the Avengers just was everywhere last year, all of a sudden DC's doing this gigantic Justice League push. Seems like a curious timing. Well, I mean, it's, it's a brand people know. People have heard of it. It's, it did have a popular cartoon series for a few years, so it's in the mindset of people. It's their number, it's one of their number one selling comics. And it's also a way to get the majority of their characters out there. So it makes it perfect sense to me. Right. So, you know, there you go. Uh, <laughs> this is such a negative show. Um, and with that, like, the last thing I wanted, we wanted to mention before we go to the break is just a little self, uh, self-aggrandizing plug here. Is By the time most of you hear this, it will be Monday, June 17th. Some of you listen to the show early on Sundays when we post it on the, the blog. But most of you are going to hear it on Monday. Uh, by this point, the Ace Kilroy Kickstarter campaign will have started. Uh, thank you. That's going to be for Volume 2, collecting the second season into a print edition. And we have lots of other very cool rewards that you'll be able to get, um, including some a lot of original art from Dan, um, a uh, monster Ace Kilroy Monster Rally mug, which is kind of fun. Um, that was that was a, made specially on demand by some some of the guys. They were like, "I gotta have the, this artwork on a mug." Like, okay. Um, we're gonna do a special prize where we're, to, we're calling an Ace Kilroy Bolarama, where Dan and I will come and spend a day with you and go bowling, and we'll go out to dinner afterwards. Oh, how funny! See, I, I was actually going to suggest a crazy level where Dan shows up at your house and draws a Ace Kilroy mustache on your face. <laughs> Dan's very cranky. I don't know if I could get him to do that. And okay. one of the other, uh, well, we're also going to be doing an alternative cover to the book that's going to be painted by one of our former instructors at the Cupid School named Joel Mapperstek. He did some stuff for DC Comics a while back. He's a classic pulp illustrator. And he was one of our favorite teachers, and he agreed to do a special variant cover for us, which is going to be fantastic. Cause it's going to be like pulp style? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to be oh, gorgeous. Cool. You'll, when you go to the Kickstarter page, you'll see the link to Joel's website, and you'll be able to see his work. And you'll be able to say, oh, yeah, this is this guy's the perfect guy to do that kind of pulpy cover. And then one other thing we're doing is, uh, I just got the pictures of it today, the Ace Kilroy Mego doll. 
which uh, was crafted by our friend Mar- Mark Souter, who made the Dr. Fate doll uh, oh, for you. He's okay. the same guy, so you know he does very high-quality work. And he is I, cr- can, I can testify that. I'm there looking you, at it right now on my shelf. He crafted an Ace Killer doll that comes with a satchel and a gun, and he's got the boots and the holster and the whole bit. And it comes. Oh, is that, is, is that the picture I saw on Facebook, like with him and the vampire? Yes. That looks awesome. Yes. Uh, and it's going to come in a bubble card, you know, that I designed the front and back, and you'll be able to take the figure out and put it back without damaging the card or anything. Uh, there's, we can only offer a limited number because Mark is making them by hand, so they're really going to be great pieces. But uh, I'm very hard, and I just posted them on Facebook tonight, and I have like 30 likes from people saying I got to have one of these things. So, <laughs> so you know, um, here's the chance for everybody to sort of say, hey, you know, I want to read this and, and support the strip. So. Uh, if you want to pledge, that would be great. And on top of that, more even more importantly than, than you individually pledging, if you're listening, is to, to spread the word, to let people know. You know, Presumably everybody here that listens to the show is a comics fan, a fan of the medium, and then your friends are going to like comics as well. And so it would help us if you could say, hey, you know what, there's this great web comic, and you know, maybe you should support it. Here's your chance. It's on Kickstarter. There's going to be lots of different levels you can pledge to. You don't have to spend too much money to get something cool. So if you guys wouldn't mind. Uh, give the uh, Kickstarter Ace Kill Warrior campaign a a look uh, when the time comes, which is, as, as I said, Monday, June 17th. And guys, just so you know, um, some a way, to, a way to sort of put this in perspective, you know, Fire and Water podcast is something we do for free, and we want to keep it that way as long as possible. Um, but by supporting Ace Kilroy, you're supporting Rob, which is really ultimately helping support this podcast. So if you're looking for a way to support this podcast, please support Ace Kilroy. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, Shag was the first person to donate uh, for Volume 1, which was really greatly appreciated. So, yeah. Hey, I was the first person for in both, the, actually, bo- both yes. campaigns. Yeah, Thank you very much. we had the first campaign, which didn't, which didn't work, and then we had the second one, which did. So, I, so I are, do, uh, do just, is your goal higher this time yes. or the same? Yes. Okay. No, it's higher because we, we ended up last year, we ended up making 200% of what our original goal was. So I decided, why not? Let's shoot, you know, let's go higher. We have lots of things we want to try. There's lots of different other projects I want to work on. Um, uh, we're working on a, a, we're working on a side project that stars one of the supporting characters that's drawn by Billy Penn, who is a friend of of Shag's who. And neighbor. Oh, and neighbor. Okay. (laughs) And he is doing amazing work on this. He's sending me the strips every so often and boy, this stuff is gorgeous. I, I just. Beautiful. But, you know, you got to pay Billy. Dan I have compromising pictures of, so I don't have to pay him. But, I mean, I actually have to pay Billy for the work, and that's where this – you know, that's part of where the money's going to come from is from the Kickstarter campaigns. And Because uh, I, I have a million stories in this universe that I want to tell, and it's just a matter of being able to fund them in a way that gets them out there. So this is the way to do it. Okay. Like I said, I'll stop plugging Monday, June 17th. Thanks, guys. Check it out, folks. So actually, it's uh, the same day this goes live, right? Yes, yes. Okay, awesome. All right, folks, well, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with listener feedback. Awesome. Hey, Superman. Boy, that sometimes I got a headache. I better go home and take some medicine for it. Oh? Sure, I got a lot of stuff in the medicine cabinet. Taking pills is dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Dangerous? The wrong pill or too many pills can make you sick. Remember, kids shouldn't take any medicine unless it's given to them by a doctor or their parents. I remember Superman. 
Holy harvest, Batman. Good to be out in the country. Batman, Robin! Hi, Mr. Brown. Robin and I were hoping we could buy a snack. This is the place to get some great ones. Be my guest. Apples, tomatoes, celery, it all looks good to me. Right, Robin. Fresh fruits and vegetables make some of the best snacks there are. What do we have, Batman? Any of them, Robin, you can't miss. That hits the spot. Better than junk food, Robin. Out of the briny depths of the internet comes a comic book podcast so powerful it cannot be contained by a single continent. Mike and Paul save the universe. I'm Mike Gillis. And I'm Paul Root. If you're an unsatisfied comics fan, we want to help you find better comics. And if you've never picked up a comic before in your life, we want to help you find what could be your new favorite thing. On Mike and Paul Save the Universe, we love the bejesus out of comics. And so should you. Find us online at MikeAndPaul.com. All right, folks. We're back from break, and now it's time for... Listeners and we're going to cover feedback from several different episodes here, folks. We're going to cover feedback from episode 51 through 53. So that's going to be the reviews for our JLA, Aquaman, and Firestorm number 19. It's going to be our Mera and um, Firehawk episode, which apparently no one listened to, and the <laughs> Firestorm Farewell issue episode of the show. First off, I want to give uh, a few thank yous out to there's a few people that mentioned us uh, on their blog, so thank you much, very much for that. Paul Bowler gave us a shout-out on his Sci-Fi Jubilee post, where he uh, talked about Firestorm's last issue. Cord Industries mentioned us when he talked about Firestorm as well. Over That's uh, Cord Industries. I'm sorry. Sci-Fi Jubilee is sci-fi jubilee.wordpress.com. Cord Industries is cordindustries.blogspot.com. And then uh, our buddy FKA Jason uh, mentioned us on his Splitting Atoms uh, blog, which is a Captain Atom blog. So it's like Diablo Frank. Frank's got a little competition there. That is splittingatomsblog.wordpress.com. Or maybe they should team up. They should team up. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's only four fans of Captain Atom, so we have two blogs. You're just, <laughs> you're just splitting your audience. Although maybe by the t- title of the blog, that's the idea. Much like the Atom, they're trying to split the fan base. <laughs> well, folks, uh, we got feedback. I'm going to start off with our good buddy Siskoid, one of those crazy Canucks up there. Um, when we covered Justice League number 19, he said, I notice your Justice League recaps don't refer to the Shazam backup. I wholeheartedly approve. Um, I do want to say I'm enjoying the Shazam backups. Cisco, this is Shag speaking. I am enjoying the Cisco, the, the Shazam backups, but uh, yeah, it's for our interests. It, it's not relevant to the coverage. So I would enjoy now, a Ciscoid backup. I did say Cisco. That would be pretty cool. I'd read that. Yeah. It'd be a bunch of eh, and they'd be wearing toques and uh, <laughs> eating Canadian bacon, eh? Anyway, so that <laughs> I love that contemporary reference. <laughs> you like that? So. Now, this is a little rubbing, rubbing, uh, rubbing it in Rob's face here. Back in Aquaman number 19, Mara gets transplanted somewhere, to, and she runs into her old husband. And you said, I think she's just at the bottom of the ocean. And I was like, no, she's got to be her home dimension. Well, Siskoi backs me up here, and he says, Mara must be in her home dimension because they tell her, quote, at last you've returned. Yeah, so. that's, 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 he's probably right about that. No, I'm probably right about that. All right, then you're both okay. That hurt to say. Anyway, he is taking uh, Dan Jurgens to task on the character of Plastique in Firestorm because she is supposed to be French Canadian, and her accent in the comic is only French. So, and being a crazy Canuck, he's you know he's a leading authority in this sort of area. So, 
He says, I'm sorry, this is a complaint entirely specific to me, but it always bugs the hell out of me. He said, maybe plastic is the reason Firestorm is so big in Canada. We love to hate FLQ terrorists. You know, who doesn't? So, uh, I will just briefly mention on a, a past issue, I sort of opened up and talked a little bit about how the death of Liz Sladen from Doctor Who really affected me. And I don't really want to get into it a lot again because it's probably going to get me a little upset again. But uh, there is a surprising amount of people that came out and said they completely understand. And Siskoid um, said he actually had the exact same reaction. And he's getting teary-eyed just thinking about it. So she's a great lady. She's going to be missed. So moving on because I need to. Um, Talking about Firestorm uh, farewell episode, I kept saying that Gail Simone was writing the green team. Right. We got that uh, wrong, yeah. It totally got that wrong. Uh, she's writing the movement, and the green team is being done by Baltazar and Franco. And uh, and he, what he does, you know, we, we talked back and forth about whether the cancellation of Firestorm made sense or not. You know, are you going to replace it with a Batman book? Are you going to be sure whatever you replace it was going to sell at least the 10,000 issues Firestorm selling? And you know, he makes a good point. He says you never know what the next big hit is going to be. you got to give new, tri- new ideas a shot. And he talked about this particular book, uh, Baltazar and Franco. You know, maybe – it, it, it'll fit the political climate right now with the whole one versus 99% sort of thing. So, you know, maybe he's got a point there. So let's see what else. Um, he, he had a differing opinion of Firestorm number 20. I, I gave it a fairly good review. He said, I thought it was a mad dash to the end. It was very much rushed. Uh, it's like everyone crashes the party at the end to resolve things. It's Firestorm's last issue, but he gets his thunder stolen by Jason's dad, Major Force, and Superman. Major Force in particular, why introduce a new character at the last minute like that? I have the same problem with this rogues gallery appearing all in one over the last two issues. It's exciting that Jurgens got to introduce them before it ended, but a lack of space turns them into ciphers. It's a disappointment. So, and he gives credit. I, I kept talking about how the issue was a real page turner, and he gave credit to uh, Herge, I think is how you say it. I don't I know. I think it's Hirsch. Hirsch, okay. Of Tintin fame. He said that he really developed and mastered that technique. So, And he, uh, I, I should mention, we talked about. With cancellation of Firestorm, what we're going to do here on the show is when we cover issues of Aquaman, we're going to cover, start covering the old issues from the 80s of Fury of Firestorm, basically volume two. So the, the Jerry Conway, Pat Broderick, Raphael Kayan, and Aaron of Firestorm. So what we're going to do is, uh, you may be wondering why we didn't do it this issue. Well, it's because it was Aquaman number 20. Once we start with Aquaman number 21, which would be the first month without Firestorm, we will cover Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Man number one as well, and move forward from there. And Siskoi uh, gave us a nice comment. He said, good idea for continuing Firestorm coverage retro all the way. Yeah, everyone seemed to like that idea. Yeah, I'm pleased about that. We heard from our buddy Little Russell Burbage from New Venice, Florida. Uh, he just chimed in on the uh, – he gave us support on Facebook, and he chimed in about the Sarah Jane, uh, Liz Sladen thing also. Oh, great. He brought it up again. What the Liz Sladen thing? Yeah, now you're gonna get all upset all over again. No, no, no. I'm just. I'm gonna. There's a lot of it in here, man. I'm gonna mention from time to time. So, <laughs> heard from our buddy uh, Luke Jacanetti. So, gave us support on. You ready for it? Believe it or not, Google Plus. <laughs> I tell you what. I don't know whether it's the farewell Firestorm campaign or what, but like I'm seeing lots of traction on Google Plus right now. I also saw some figures about Google Plus the growing. It's at least the stuff that goes out on Google Plus, shows that Google Plus is growing pretty fast, actually. So it may actually become a social network of notice at some point, you know, like MySpace or something. So, or Friendster, uh, perhaps. Friendster, that's, that's one I was DC trying to find. DC message boards. Oh, 
that stings. And so. what's great is the government is watching all of it. <laughs> so uh, in addition to Google+, Plus, he gave his shout-outs on Twitter as well, by the way. I should mention he's El Jacone on Twitter. Anyway, he said, I've read some of the old Firestorm stuff in the classic Firestorm trade, and I am looking forward to hearing you guys discuss it. And he's really, really excited about Typhoon, apparently. So he goes on <laughs> later on about uh, – <laughs> Has that, has say, that sentence ever been said before? What? Really excited really about Typhoon? Really excited about Typhoon. <laughs> Typhoon's a great character. I know, but has anyone ever been that excited about Typhoon? Well, you know what he, he even says in a, in a later here on the Firestorm fan site? He says it'd be the perfect character for a Brave and the Bold issue starring Aquaman and Firestorm. I agree with that. That's brilliant. That's just brilliant. Absolutely. Well done, sir. He ate his Wheaties that day when he came up with that one. Uh, he says it's unfortunate that Firestorm is ending because it sounds like it's hitting the same throwback feel that Savage Hawkman is also working at the moment. Um, I think you're the only one feeling that, man. <laughs> anyway, uh, he made a comment about the WTF covers that DC did. He said that uh, he felt like a lot of the covers spoiled the issues. And I, I kind of agree with Firestorm. I felt like it kind of spoiled who the characters were going to show up. So, But anyway, he said Hawkman didn't suffer from that, so that was nice. I'll let you take it away for a moment because okay. I'm, 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 I'm bored of talking. <laughs> really? Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's a sentence that's never been uttered. <laughs> another one, yeah. Ding! Uh, we got a, a, he left another comment about the episode 52, the Mirror and Firehawk episode, which everyone else seemed to ignore. I really enjoyed this episode. I know a lot more about Mirror than I do about Firehawk, so it was very cool to learn a bit more about her. She's got a great look, and I hope she gets more of a chance to shine in the new 52 beyond what we have already seen. Uh, I agree. I think, uh, you know, uh, I, I, you know, we, we really wanted to give focus and, and to the two characters. And Mira hasn't been around very much. She's basically just been spending the last three issues arguing with police officers. But uh, I hope that <laughs> I hope that when this, this story wraps up, they get the two of them back and they can go on adventures together. Because, you know, she's a great character. And every, everyone, everyone wants to see more of her in, in the new Aquaman book. Men, women, everybody. Everybody wants to see this character more. So, What? You said see more of her. So oh, I was, I was, right. I was trying right. to follow up on that. Thanks for that. That's too late. <laughs> Dude, he says here, Hawkman's been canceled seven times. I didn't know that. That's about right. Wow. <laughs> we all know the pain of cancellation. We really do. Uh, oh, he also mentioned, he said, do not diss OMAC. It didn't sell, but the book was fantastic. I was not dissing OMAC. I was just making a joke about that That OMAC, which was, I think, the first New 52 book to go, I believe yes. was the first one that was canceled, was, was a sales dog from the get-go. And just the fact that New 52 number ones were so big that it even managed to sort of like drag OMAC into a second printing, that's what made me laugh. I was not dissing the book. I read OMAC for the first couple of issues, and, and I did enjoy it. So I was making no comment on its quality. Luke, don't worry about that. OMAC is a great book if you don't read the words. <laughs> okay. like the art is so awesome. It so. was a fun. It was a lot of fun. I, I like the Kirby original concept. I like this one. You know, I, I think it's a... I loved when they did them on Brave and the Bold cartoon show. It was, it was good stuff. It was really good stuff. Uh, we got a comment from Diablo Frank. Oh, Lord. Um. Well, I, I do want to cover the Despero stuff. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. All right, uh, 
Despero has a. We talked about we Despero the way he looks in the Justice League comic, and we're trying to figure out whether the cape and what his looks all about. So he gives us a quick history here. He says Despero had a lavender cape during his first appearances after exposure to the Flame of Batar, along with a full Sheriff of Nottingham getup. He discorporated at the end of the tale and spent years willing himself back together into a nude body with no visible genitalia. He landed at the United Nations, and after unintentionally snagging their flag, turning it into a cape and a general sign of, as a general sign of contempt towards mankind. He later donned fatigues in a team uniform as part of Justice League Task Force. The animated series, Justice League, Batman Brave and the Bold, and Young Justice, have all featured different versions of Despero, all fully clothed. Meanwhile, in Jeff Johns' comics, Despero keeps running around naked in blue capes like it was still 1990, and not to a specific single story arc. So no, I'm not thrilled about the unimaginative repeat in the new Justice League comic, as I could be, but thankfully not Despero's first encounter with the group, as was revealed by Steve Traver and Amanda Waller in JLVA number one. So, he also had a, uh, a comment about my, uh, my my punishment, everybody, by doing the, <laughs> doing the the quiet. As he puts it, I don't think Rob's quiet time break is going to work since it punishes the innocent with the guilty. It basically is all the sting of the impotent parenting techniques that led to backdoor teen mom, Farrah Abraham. Thanks for contributing to the decline of Western civilization, Robert J. Kelly Esquire. <laughs> uh, he made a comment about episode number 50, the one where, the four-hour podcast we did. He said, I totally thought number 50 would be your shark-jumping moment, but instead it fell ass-backwards into listener <laughs> accolades. Which, by the way, keep in mind, Diablo Fink was on that episode. Yes. So. Uh, he says, Diablo will now have to come up with a new plot to destroy this infernal podcast once and for all. I will also state that despite appearances, not, not one of us was actually sipping on some syrups. Maybe number 75 will be a truly inebriated episode. We're working on a 100-hour episode for the 100th show. That's what we're working on. We're uh, I, I guarantee it. We're going to start, start recording it now. Um, he also left comments over on the shrine. He said he dug the advert reading by Serena Irwin. Me too, Frank. Woo! That was very nice for Frank to give an unreservedly po- positive comment. Uh, he has his own opinion about who should play who in a movie. He says, I'd argue that Jessica Chastain would make a better Shara Thal, and Rachel Nichols is the superior Mira fan casting. Rachel Nichols is the woman from the J.I. Joe movies. She plays Scarlet. So I don't know that much about her, but that seems fine. I still vote for Chastain, but, but either one of them would work. I'm sure just having an Aquaman movie would be exciting enough. Exactly. Uh, he came into Aquaman about the same time I did. Um, I came in around 1984, 86, or somewhere in there. He came in 1989, but uh, he also went through a period where he, you know, his first introduction to Mera was was when she was batshit crazy. Right. And uh, he he has this epic storyline in his mind where Mera becomes Ocean Master's baby mama and uh, becomes an ongoing adversary for Aquaman. Kind of an interesting <laughs> idea. I'm, I'm kind of. Glad you didn't go that way, but, you know, it would have been interesting. Yeah. So we heard from our buddy FK Jason uh, of our Firestorm fan, also uh, echoing the Liz Sladen, Sarah Jane Smith, Doctor Who stuff. Heard from our buddy Sean Corey over on Facebook and on Firestorm fan. Um, he said, uh, <laughs> we talked about, I don't know how we said it, but somehow in the Firestorm episode, we talked about going and burning something in honor of Firestorm. I don't know why we uttered those words. I don't remember them exactly. Quite honestly, I don't remember most of the things I say on the show. I think I just said we should just set something on fire in tribute to Firestorm. Being Could be. Well, he wrote, well, I'm all caught up and on my way to work with a few cans of gasoline because the voices in my earphones told me to burn something to celebrate the final issue of Firestorm. <laughs> Great. Wonderful. I'm so glad we're, we're part of that. So... Heard from our buddy Tim Wallace, uh, who he posed a question basically saying he, he really enjoyed Firestorm, the New 52 version, 
And, but it was his first real time coming at Firestorm. So he thought it was, he was kind of surprised more people didn't take to it. And he asked fans if they thought there might be reasons for it, which Siskoid stepped up to the plate and kind of talked about the different writing techniques between the 80s and nowadays. And uh, he says, yeah, that could be it. He says, uh, I guess the mate more, I guess the more likely reason for the new 52 version clicking with me is that I came into a relatively clean slate with no expectations. Of course, now with all this talk about Dan Jurgens, I'm a big fan of his stuff, it's not hard to have those expectations about what's to come because he hasn't read the Dan Jurgens stuff yet. So it's kind of nice to hear from someone who's a, a purely you know, uh, unbiased Firestorm reader you know, to hear what mm-hmm. they thought of the new 52, and he enjoyed it. So there you go. Uh, we got a comment on Firestorm fan from Corey Hodgson. He would say, I would, uh, responding to the uh, Firestorm Farewell episode, I would just like to say thank you for making me have the bang- Bangles Eternal Flame stuck in my head for the last 24 hours. Uh, that, was a, that was great. It was one of my best jokes, I have to admit. I thought of it way back around number five, like the first time Shag ever mentioned that Firestorm sales were bad. And I was like, that's the perfect song to end the show. So I went and recorded it, and I've had it in my file for, like, the past year and a half. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you had it in mind. You told me that off yeah. air, but I had no idea that. It's, it's, been, it's been sitting in my, my, my collection of sound files just waiting for the right moment to spring it. So there you go. All right. Well, I'm going to figure out what the best uh, outgoing song for Aquaman is and get ready for it because <laughs> I figure you got about another 12 issues in you, man. So I've got one month after Jeff John decides he doesn't want to do it anymore. That's what we're and that's and that's when that's when it all comes to a crashing end. Uh, surprisingly, got a lot of people who came out and argued with me. Uh, well, I, I guess that part's not surprising, but had a lot of people came out and argued with me because I said I didn't think Firestorm could make a, a good movie. It, I thought that was something that execs would shy away from. Uh, Rob pointed out, well, he's appeared in several cartoons already. That's a good point. And a lot of people jumped in, including Keith Samra, uh, who talked about how. Actually, Firestorm could work very well as a movie. He he talked about Ghost Rider, you know, the special effects that Ghost Riders had on fire. He talked about how Firestorm has kind of the amazing Spider-Man sort of, you know, uh, comedic timing and beats and everything like that in the kid. And uh, you know, it could actually work into a really good film. And you know, he makes a good point. Mm-hmm. So I may have to retract what I said. Yeah, related to that, we got a comment from uh, my pal Maxa, one of my favorite people, and he wrote, "Wait, wait, 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 wait." Shag doesn't think there would be a market for a live-action Firestorm because his head's on fire? Someone should tell that to Ghost Rider and the Human Torch. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Although, I would say, as a Firestorm fan, I don't think I'd want uh, a Firestorm movie to be anything like the Ghost Rider movie. Or the Fantastic Four movies. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ange says the cancellation of Firestorm is his fault. Um, <laughs> Way to step up, Ange. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. He says that uh, he did not collect the New 52 Firestorm fan, uh, Firestorm series, uh, specifically the Dan Jurgens run, because he, f- he, he didn't want to be uh, into the, uh, the many Firestorm stuff from the, the Van Skyver Simone run. Mm-hmm. So he didn't pick up the Dan Jurgens stuff because he thought there'd be a lot of carryovers from it. So he wrote, so I guess I'm part of the problem. So, but he did get the last issue and he enjoyed it, and he's making him wonder what might have been. And he thought it was a nice echo to DC Comics Presents number 17, where, Fire, where Superman invited Firestorm to join Justice League, and also Firestorm number two from the first volume, which is where Firestorm meets Superman for the first time. So, nice. And having lived through three Supergirl cancellations and one major death, he, he understands our pain. <laughs> he, uh, he runs the Supergirl blog, by the way. Only three? And, uh, what a piker. <laughs> and he... Uh, he chimed in with his thought on the Hottest Legionnaire, which is an ongoing controversy, by the way, in the Fire and Water podcast and the Who's Who podcast. He says, Lightning Lass is number one on his list. Dawnstar is definitely up there. 
You can't wait for the who's who page comparison between Lightning Lass and Phantom Girl. Uh oh, a little worried about that. We all have that to look forward to. Exactly. Uh, we got a comment on the Aquaman Trend from Earth to Chris on the Mirror and Firehawk episode. He said, Fun episode, guys, and very informative. I was up on Mirror's history, but never knew much about Firehawk. I, I always liked her visuals, but never read her appearances too often. Had no idea she was part of Firestorm at one time. Oh, and I think Robin and Aqualad may have already met in Brave and the Bull number 54, the unofficial first appearance of the Titans when Aquaman and Mirror wed. I think he's right about that. Thanks for making Monday more bearable. Thank you, Chris. We appreciate that, yes. Heard from Sphinx Magoo. Love that name. And uh, he also jumped up to correct us about the movement in the green team. Thank you for that. Uh, and he says, I'd like to say you guys have the best opening music of any of the many, many podcasts I listen to. Every morning, every Monday morning, the jukebox in my head plays your music in anticipation of the podcast goodness that may or may not await me. Great work there. <laughs> we need to give credit. That is not our original work. That is no. by Michael Kohler. Yep. He did that specifically for Cartoon Network. And we have unabashedly stole it from him. Yep. But we do give him credit every time we use it. If so. he wants to come on the show and talk about it, we'd be happy to have him. Oh, dude, that would rock. <laughs> now, we heard from our friend in Italy. I'm sorry. Um, no. France. Sorry. Whoops. And uh, we, we slaughtered his name on a previous show. So I'm going to try this again. It's not Chow. It's uh, K.O. Cristiano. K.O. Cristiano from France. Uh, he's the one who wrote to us about the Wildfire cartoon, which is basically what he felt like an adaptation of the Amethyst show. And he just said um, he, he, uh, the cartoon never went past the first season, but back in Brazil where he spent most of his childhood, uh, Wildfire was enormous. And he says the same episodes were repeated over and over and over for at least ten years. So I just find that funny because it's like every time – I have a buddy of mine who every time you watch the Superman animated series – it was always the exact same Metallo episode. No matter how many times you try to watch it, it was always one particular Metallo episode. So I just felt like that's kind of what uh, he was talking about with the uh, Wildfire. I love the fact that it took me less than half a second to find the Wildfire theme on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is this really going to be up there? Yep. Yep. In fact, I had multiple Wildfire files to pick from. Oh, jeez. In terms of quality. It's a, yeah, I'd never heard of that show at all. I had yet, neither. I could find it instantly. Amazing. I wonder if Dan Mishkin and Gary Cohn have. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got an email from Hector, our friend Hector. Uh, he's <laughs> finally, I digested episode 50. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm ready to go through my feedback. True, the longest podcast. And I find, I really find it hard to get to the end. Us too. Uh, but, I, <laughs> but indeed, I did finish it. But must praise the effort that I know would have to take you about five more hours to record. That's commitment. Uh, on the same page, I found it less hard to process Frank's voice. Nice? <laughs> what a backhanded compliment. Very nice. Uh, he also talks about uh, Robotech, but I kind of fell asleep during all that. So he just ends it Aww. with, uh, sorry, it's not Hector's fault, it's Robotech. I'm, I'm falling asleep just saying it. Uh, he said, that's it. Really love you guys. Keep up the good work you were doing. Aviva el fuego y monta la ola. I love that. I got to read this bit about Frank. He says he found that Frank's voice is very similar to Family Guy's Stewie. And that so I think I don't get. talking to this character made it a bit funnier. I like that. And he referred to Robotech, by the way, as the Dallas of animation. Yeah, the, yeah, and that one just left me scratching. Well, well the whole the, well, the whole point of why he brought it up though is because the Robotech, the ad and the DC sample we talked about, he said it had absolutely nothing to do with the cartoon. Oh, whatsoever. okay, all right. So, uh, we heard from Alexander Adrock from um, who works for Mr. Slate. And uh, heard from him on Twitter and Facebook and got a nice email from him. Thank you for that. Heard from our buddy Ryan Drunkula. Uh, whoops. No, that's Ryan Daly Count Drunkula. Ryan Sorry Drunkula, about that. Yeah. 
I got I got to read this first line. I absolutely love it. He says, "I just wanted to let you know that the latest episode of the Fire and Water podcast was as tolerable as the others." I love it. Thanks, Ryan. Screw you too. Uh, and then he also goes on to talk about how Firestorm could work as a movie, and he makes a really good argument here, basically talking about uh, how most of the Justice Leaguers are sort of perfect people, and Firestorm is more of a Marvel type character, and it would. It would work better. He makes a good point. Now, he runs the Black Canary blog, um, blackcanaryfan.blogspot.com, but he also has been kind enough to send us these fire and water play date, like uh, action figure things, which are hilarious. And uh, the, we got two more, which we'll put up on Tumblr. The last set was received really well. It had like 37 likes on Firestorm on, on Facebook and nearly 1,000 views. People love it. Uh, we got an email from Jack Dower, as we always do. Uh, he always has many, many good things to say. I'm going to skip right to his question, though, because I actually have an answer for it for once. Uh, he says, DC loves to share rogues' galleries among the heroes. Admittedly, not as much as the Merry Marchers and Marvel do, but they do do it. We all know that Scavenger and Slipknot would elevate anyone's rogues' gallery, but are there other villains in your respective heroes' enemies list that you would like to see cross over? If so, and who would they fight? Uh, I always thought the Green Lantern had a villain, the Shark. Uh, which is basically oh. a humanoid shark. And I could not believe when I first saw him in Who's Who that he wasn't an Aquaman villain. I was like, how is a guy called the shark not an Aquaman villain? But he was not. He's Green Lantern. Uh, so that's, I mean, I don't think he's been introduced to the New 52 yet. I wouldn't know even if he was because he's a Green Lantern villain. But I would get him in, in Aquaman too sweet, you know. I mean, really. Jeez, I mean, he's the perfect character. Oh. Now, from a Firestorm perspective, and I'll actually answer the question Jack asked, not what Rob chose to answer. Uh, Jack was asking which of our characters' villains would work better with other people, or would work well with other people. Oh, I, I, my reading comprehension isn't working that well, I guess. Well, he mentioned the Penguin, so he probably got confused. So, um, The Tuxedo Titan of Terror. Anyway, so I would say, we've talked about this before, so none of these are shockers. Slipknot would make a great Green Arrow villain. Uh, Typhoon would make a great Aquaman you know, villain. Multiplex, honestly, any sort of street level hero would be great for Multiplex. I mean, maybe even the Flash, because the Flash, you know, having multiple guys would be a challenge for him. So that might be fun. And then Killer Frost, as much as I love her, she could fill in for any against any superhero because everybody's fought a cold villain at some point, and so she usually becomes generic cold villain that's a female. It's kind of how she gets played out. So any of those would work for me. So. Now, we got several emails from Jack, all very kind, very thoughtful. Um, the monocled master of menace. I love these things he comes up with the penguin. He is seriously, seriously strange. The cultured cackle of the czar of crime. He's got a problem. He's working on a penguin blog, as he told us, so maybe he'll get it out of his system or something. He'll be able to direct it towards the blog, not towards us as much. <laughs> all right, you know what, Jack? Don't listen to him. I love your letters. Man. I know. We, me too. Me too. We absolutely, it's like a joy when they come in. He also gave us a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for yes, that. Yes, love the iTunes reviews. Thank you very much. Huge, huge help. In fact, folks, you know, please consider giving us an iTunes review. They really do help bolster, uh, bolster the uh, profile of the show. Uh, we got an email from Luke Dobb, of course, uh, the guy that did that amazing Firestorm song, which we ran in the uh, Firestorm episode. Um <laughs> He said, in terms of his getting play from, as Shag put it, from the song, uh, he wrote, hi guys, oh wait, hang on a sec. Okay, I'm back. Whew, sorry about that. I just had to tell all the paparazzi at my doorstep to go home. You see, they haven't stopped bothering me since I got all that mad play on the Fire and Water podcast. <laughs> 
And he said, now that we see how needy you guys are when it comes to feedback, allow us to indulge you. Now, okay, I got to say something. I didn't think we were being needy. It was just interesting that the one episode got no feedback. None. It wasn't like, you know, I mean, we got some, but it was like normally every episode of the Firestorm, on Firestorm Fan, there's like, I don't know, like 10 to 15 emails, uh, messages for, per episode. And that's just, and we're very fortunate. We, we appreciate every single one of those. And then that one episode got like one or two, and it took like a week for that to happen. And it was just very strange. We're both checking our both just like, what happened? We, like, I don't understand what was going on in that episode. We didn't know what we did wrong. Yes. So uh, I, I hope we didn't come across as needy, but, you no. know. We've got a couple of jokes that way. So if we did, you know, um, suck it. Anyway, so uh, he goes on. He does some, some great things. He says he talks about Firestorm number 20. He says uh, things he chooses to believe from that issue. Professor Stein was unable to find a barber from his place of hiding. Number two, the brains and brawn word balloon was a direct reference to my song. Number three, the Aquaman and Atlantis mention was a direct reference, reference to the Firewater podcast. Number four, Major Force wasn't really in this issue. <laughs> Love it. Um, heard from Lucy, uh, Lucien Desar. Uh, he, he made a comedy, said he thought it was kind of strange the end of Firestorm didn't have a thanks for the great run. So, like, he did it most series, which is kind of strange. But he also went on, he talked about the, uh, Justice League, Firestorm possibly in the Justice League movie. He also thinks that would work. So, apparently, everyone thinks I'm wrong on that. And I'm okay. I'm, I'm glad you guys think it would work because you're the ones who would have to buy it. Because uh, obviously, I'm sold. So. I think that's great. He also is very excited about us going back and covering Firestorm from the early episodes, or for early issues. He's like, you know, cool. We're getting a lot of support for that, so I'm jazzed. He also gave us an iTunes review. He said, the infectious zeal the host presented for these characters will make you want to go out to your neighborhood comic store and pick up the issues. Awesome. Uh, we heard from Doug Zawizzywig. Zawizka. Crap. How do you do it? Zawizza. Yeah, whatever. I like how he mumbled it. Anyway, he's been meaning to send me an email for a while now because he lives in Detroit, and guess what they have in Detroit? <laughs> Tell him, Rob. A Vibe Credit Union. No crap. This is not made up. This is for real. There is a Vibe Credit Union in Metro Detroit. Awesome. <laughs> um, all right, folks. I am going to start name-checking people here because I want to go through and give everyone a shout-out. Uh, we heard from Kyle Benning over on Google Plus and Facebook, Keith G. Baker on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr, Manjit Danjal on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, then on Twitter, we got nice comments from, check this out, Hi-Fi Color, the guys who color Firestorm, and Norm Rapmood, our uh, inker on a million DC comics. That was pretty cool. Also heard from Bill Bailey at BB Netman, Tony D at Tony D PYT, uh, Shakina Ann Dari, uh, which is Shakina Skin, La Cueva del Nerd, uh, at Cueva del Nerd, Aquaman Talk, Dustin Stouffer, which is Dustin Stouffer 2, Philemon, Joe Slab, J Slab 425, um, ABC Liquor, Saranga at Saranga Comics, <laughs> Casey, KB, Killian Eckert, um, Rod Pruitt, Lego Nightwing, awesome name, Lego Nightwing, Matthew Barton at TBW Ultra Powers, Going Geek News at the same. Cynthia Flores at Cinda Dog Flores. Randy Caldway, Caldwell, Mr. Perturbed. Rhett Khan, Claymation Howell. Ryan DeCosta, which is Ryan DC 2814. Anthony Durso, The Toy Room. Cord Industries, Cord Industries 1. Jimmy McGlinty, which is Jimmy McGee. By the way, Jimmy, yes, we did see your comments through Twitter. Thank you very much. Um, he thought maybe we had missed them. Eduardo Escobar at E. Escobar 23. Raddies at Raddies. Paul Bowler, James Gerton at Nylonus, 
Bad Andy Good Pizza. I don't know what the heck that's about. I don't know. Andy, Cape- Andy Capellish is a hoot. That's his handle on Twitter right now. Bad Andy Good Pizza. Has been for a while, but he goes by Cap L. Uh, Paul Hicks at Reading Hicks. Batman Beyonder. I love that. At Dalla Delata. Uh, also on iTunes, we heard from J. David Weeder. Gave us top notch. So we really appreciate that. Then Google Plus. I'm telling you, man, Google Plus is like alive and, and breathing. <laughs> Uh, Edward Crosby, Dave Walker, Dale Russell, Martin Gray, Paul Moe. And I'm sorry, guys, that I'm shortcutting and not reading everyone's comments. We are out of time, so I'm going through this as quickly as I can. Over on Tumblr, we heard her, heard from Cavana Rose, Stone D. Gordon, Keith WTS Morris. And I'm not – sorry, folks. This is this is actually the name of it. Fuck yeah, Brave and the Bold. Anzus369, Caxtrem, Voice Less Loud, Davril – Davralat. These are hard. Eel Tarad, FKA Jason, Daniel HDR, which by the way did he uh he drew some issues of Firestorm. Uh K Kincaid 3, Dragon Worm Comics, and Mistress of Fungi. I'm gonna let you take Facebook. Oh. <laughs> uh we, yeah, we got a lot of Facebook support. Chester Aguar, Scott Allen, Amy Amoy, William Angora, Andrew Barber, Chris Byrne, Jeremy Boreski, William Boyd. Roberto Bravo, Sean Brock, Ashton Burge, Comic Cat, Nico D's Conspiracy, Kevin Culp, David J. Dixon, Stig Eric Erickson, John Godwin, thanks, John, Robert Gross, Carlos Guimarães de Almeida, John Daniel Hall, Jason Jones, Mustafa Junkboy Karen, Lily Q, Ronnie Ling, Negative Steve Mandel, that's, <laughs> that's me after the negative Rob, uh, Craig Amos Maximus, Jody Medellin uh, Sixth. could that be right? Randy Meyer, Alan Middleton, Albert Miranda, Alex Mohalik, Roy, what's up in, what's option Morris? Matt, <laughs> Matt Danny, Murdoch Band, Sean Myers, Charlie Niemeyer, Giancarlo Nurko, Diogo Oliveira, Wagner Oliveira, oh, good Lord, Corey <laughs> Osiborski, Thomas Oswald, Cano Perez, Arthur Cruzeda, Dustin Reynolds, Beto Rhodes, Joel Riviora, Max Romero, uh, we've mentioned Mac before. Peter Leslie Rowe, Rebecca Schoen, Cold Slither, Mangesh, Sorry, Sir, Sir, Sir Ryan Awashi, Deborah Swain, Jared Tain, Christopher J. Warden. Oh, I'm exhausted now. Now, uh, not that I'm one to criticize pronunciation, because, you know, I'm really not. I do have to correct one thing. You said Comic Cat. That's actually Cosmic Cat. Oh, the, only, the only reason I mention it is because uh, that's the comic shop I used to work at. Okay. It's in, uh, that I don't get right. That's easy enough to read. We also heard on Facebook Daniel Cynical Adams, Oscar O'Lady, Ola La La, as he likes to go by. That's not actually true. He doesn't, but I, I mess with him like that way. And of course, Mike Gillis, who had a great comment. If you ever do a special episode about Slipknot, you can call it the Rope and Failure Podcast. <laughs> we're awesome. Half, we're halfway there already. I can't imagine a better way to go out than that, folks. So, folks, uh, you can find us at FirestormFan.com and AquamanShrine.com. You can find both of us on Facebook and Twitter under the same handles. You can also find Firestorm Fan on Google Plus and Tumblr. And you can find this show on Tumblr. Rob, what's that Tumblr address? Fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com. And our email address is firewaterpodcast.comguest.net. Woo! All right, folks. Well, check us next time. Uh, we'll be back uh, in a week with another great episode. And thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Fan the flame and ride the wave, guys. Bye. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it.
catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice and see on land and air. Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super fair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah! Next we have Aquaman. Again, this uses the same mold as the one from the Brave and the Bold, minus the hexagonal holes. Articulation is standard and the new mandarin color is present in this figure. Again, my complaint about this figure is it does not come with a trident, which I think is an integral part of Aquaman's design. 